0: Hey, I'm Alicia Bake. I'm Jen Greenfield. And I'm Jen Tifoni. VO Booth Besties, listen to the questions you have.
1: We find pros in the know to help you learn.
0: And connect with our amazing VO community.
1: Welcome Welcome to to VO VO Booth Booth Besties. Hey, everybody. Welcome to VO Booth Besties. I know our room is just getting started and people are trickling in, but... uh, We're going to go ahead and get started because we've got a very exciting room full of awesome information. So like our intro said, we are here to help working voice actors get your most important questions answered from industry pros who know. Each week we'll have a new topic and a guest speaker. You can submit your questions through our website and we'll do our best to include them in our interview. A quick bit of housekeeping in order to stay on topic and get as many of your questions answered as we can. We're actually going to keep the hand raising turned off, but the chat will remain open and I'll be down there monitoring that. So if you have questions, if you have a comment or question specifically for either Alicia, Gen T or myself, we have I posted the abbreviations because there's two Gens and it gets confusing. Uh, Yeah. And so um, I'll be helping out down there. So without further ado, let's meet our guest over to you, A.B.
0: All right. Thanks, N.J. Uh, this week, we are honored to interview Tim Friedlander. Tim, thank you so much for being here.
2: Hey, what's happening? Good to be here.
0: Awesome. Tim is an award-winning Los Angeles-based voice actor, just in case somebody out there doesn't know him. He is a studio owner, advocate, and educator. He's best known for his work on Hunter x Hunter, One Punch Man, and as long caster in Ace Combat 7. You can most recently find Tim as the voice of the Pro Bull Riders Association on CBS, Aries in the Netflix show Record of Ragnarok, and as the English voice of Navin in the dub of The Foreigners, as well as the voice of Toymakers and as the American voice of the Morphe Sleep Aid device. Located in the Hollywood area, Tim works out of Soundbox LA. And as of 2022, Tim is the founder and president of NAVA, the National Association of Voice Actors, as well as the co owner and editor of the Voiceover Resource Guide. Whew! Tim, do you sleep?
2: <laughs> I was just taking a nap before this started, yeah. No, totally fine. <laughs> So,
0: Tim's gonna talk with us about all things SAG-AFTRA, FICOR, union, and non-union. So, what is it, pros, cons, and more. So, I'm just gonna turn it right over to JT. Hey, Tim, nice to meet you. What's
2: happening?
3: All right, we're just gonna jump right in and start at the beginning with the very basic question, what is the difference between union and non-union?
2: Great question. Uh, If you are union, generally refers to being a member of SAG-AFTRA, in this case, when we're discussing, talking about voice actors and non-union means that you're not a member. Okay.
3: Um, So the biggest difference obviously is that, you know, some jobs are union only and others are non-union. in 2023, is there an advantage to being union or non-union?
2: You know, I think it depends on the genre that you're working in. Some genres have the advantage of of um, having more access if you're a union actor. A lot of times, animation, um, other things along those lines are looking primarily for union actors. And so, if that's your goal, then then that's a great place for you to be. And there's a lot of other uh, that are primarily only hire non-union actors so that you know is an advantage in that sense of where you would be um there's also um convertible jobs which we'll talk about i guess at some point and non jurisdictional jobs as well so it's a little bit you know more more than just a binary union non-union conversation um but those are generally the two you know that we refer to
3: okay so um looking at SAG-AFTRA for a couple of years myself, it feels like the chicken and the egg. You have to be union to get a union job, and you have to get a union job to get in the union. So, what is the process? I mean,
2: yeah, it's you don't confusing. actually you don't actually have to be a union member to get a union job. Anybody can audition um, and book book a union job and work under a union contract. Um, you if you are if you are not a member of the union, then you'd have to do what's called a Taft Hartley and get a waiver essentially to work on that job. Um, And then once you've booked three jobs, then you become a must-join, or you'd have to then join the union at that point. Um, So it's kind of, you know, one of those things, people look at it and sometimes they will say, you'll see a job that says union only or only accepting union members. Um, Technically, if you are a non-union member, you can still audition for those, but that's going to be a little difficult if they're going to specifically hold you to that. Um, So, but... um, and what was the actual question again, because I kind of went off on a tangent on that <laughs> side of um,
0: No, how no get, worries.
2: how to join the union, how to join the union. Yes. Um, you know, you can either get uh, three, uh, three vouchers, meaning you've worked on, uh, you know, background work um, and that will qualify you for that. Or you can do one role as a principal in a union job. And that's how I personally got into the union, got my student union eligibility. Um, one. Audio one union audiobook as the principal narrator will qualify you as um, in, to, to join the union, and that's what I did. I had I had done a, an audiobook, and that was my qualification that made me SEG eligible.
3: Okay, um, so you mentioned three non-principles. Hmm? Is it difficult to get the um, the agency or the producer to agree
2: to do a waiver for you? Um, sometimes, you know, and, and then just to just to clarify, I, I'm just a, I'm just a member of sag After uh-huh. you, you really want to know these things. There's a whole voiceover department that can answer very specifics on this. This is just okay. my experiences, obviously having worked in SAG and with various other parts of SAG for for years. Um, you know, it depends. And a Taft-Hartley, some productions are open to it. Some push back against it for some reason. A Taft-Hartley is one extra page, one extra document and one extra signature. There's no fee. You don't get charged extra. There's no fine for hiring somebody Taft-Hartley, but it just seems like it's more work for it to get done. Um, Background work, a lot of times, you know, if you get uh, a lot of people who work on camera can work background and they'll become friends with somebody or they'll get bumped up and they'll get a a voucher uh, at that point that um, lets them essentially get uh, three vouchers will then qualify them for um, SAG eligibility.
3: Okay. Um, Are there membership levels within SAG?
2: Not within SEG. No, when, once you're in, you're in. There is, um, there are different um, joining fees depending on where you live in the country and what local you join. Okay. Uh, you know, if you join in Los Angeles, it's more expensive than if you were to join in Portland or Seattle or um, you know some other part of the country. But once you're in uh, in the union, there's no different membership tiers within the union.
3: Okay, and then the. Um... The FICOR question is is next on our list. Yes, it is. So,
2: FICOR in general.
3: Yeah, if you can explain to everybody what FICOR Mm -hmm. is.
2: Uh, Yeah, FICOR is uh, financial core. It was a Supreme Court decision, um, I believe, around the fifties or so, that um, certain people didn't want to pay dues into a union if those funds were going to go to support. Uh, political causes or things that they didn't didn't support and supreme court decision which allowed you to become a fees-paying non-member of the union which allows you essentially to work both union and non-union but you give up your rights to vote you give up your rights to saying you're a member you give up your rights to taking classes um running for office various other things that you can do within um within seg after but it, it is a a, a federal Uh, Supreme court decision that applies to all unions, not just SAG after.
3: Okay. Okay. So, um, oh, and I had another question that, that spun off of that. Oh, so if you're not five core, can you do a non-union job
2: Um, or can you
3: only do non-union jobs that you can then convert?
2: Th- that's a better way to phrase it. Um, technically global, global rule number one states that if you're a, a union member, you cannot work on any non-union jobs. There are jobs that are non-jurisdictional and there are jobs that you can convert. Non-jurisdictional are jobs that don't have a collective bargaining agreement in place per sag after. And there's various different genres of those. Um, I think, believe cable promo is one of the ones most people know. Um, And then convertible jobs are jobs that through a paymaster and a signatory, you can change from being a non-union job to being a union job. And we talk about it being convertible or flipping a job. And those are kind of two different things. Converting a job is the voice actor, the talent, taking that job, running it through a signatory and a paymaster and getting those funds uh, to be contributed towards their pension and health and credited towards their union work. Um, Flipping a job is actually getting, the producer of the production to take that entire job union uh, okay. Union.
3: All right, um, Alicia, Jen, do you have anything that you want to ask or add in here?
1: Yeah, so I did get emailed a question: How much is it to join SAG? Is there a fee to do FICOR? What does that look like? What should we there, be expecting?
2: Yeah, there there's a there's a there are fees to join. Um, I believe in Cal- in California or Los Angeles it's about 3300 or so, so maybe 3600 um, one-time fee that you pay when you join and then on top of that, you pay dues throughout the year on um, base dues. and then the more you work, you will pay um, dues on the on the amount of work that you do as well. Depending on where you live in the country, if like I said, Portland and Seattle, you know there's 1600 or 2,000 or so up there. However, one thing to keep in mind is that if you join in Portland, you come to California, Los Angeles, to do a job in Los Angeles, the union is going to make you pay the difference in those signing dues if you work in Los Angeles. So you might've joined in Portland for $1,500, but if you come to Los Angeles and do a job in Los Angeles, you're going to have to pay that difference of approximately 15 or $1,600 in order to do that job in Los Angeles.
1: Now, if I'm remote, mm-hmm. how does that work? Is it based on where I'm located
2: based on where the work is done and that's that's generally across the board for like payroll okay. taxes and everything. So, you know, you will, you may work for a company in New York, but if you're based in, you know, Orlando, then your payroll taxes are based on, on your work location.
1: Then I think one of the things we kind of toss around, and Tim, I know you know this, in our audience, we've got a real mixed bag of um, different levels of people in their, where they are in their career, in their journey. So you you talk about converting work. Can you maybe like take a few minutes? Like, let's talk about that. What does it mean? How do I do it? Who do I contact? What, just that aspect of it.
2: Yeah, um, we'll take um, co edit Co- corporate, educational, industrial, non-broadcast, which is one one genre, um, is generally the easiest to convert. It's has a low um, uh, scale pay that you have to meet, and there's less uh, kind of red tape and regulations to get through. Because it's non-broadcast, there's no residuals, usually there's one talent working on that at a time. So there are, and this is on uh, signatory, different signatories websites, Paymasters, on the union website as well on the sag After page are a list of all of the, the scale rates. Those are the minimum rates that a talent has to make in order to convert this job. And if what you're going to get hired for a non-union job meets this minimum rate that you will get paid according to the union scale, then you can go to a signatory and a paymaster and ask them to convert this job for you. They will bill the production on your behalf And they will factor in payroll taxes, pension, health fees, signatory fees, and take all of that and cut you a check, contribute the money that you would receive for pension and health and payroll taxes to the appropriate places. Um, and that's essentially converting a work so you can take that job, which was originally non-union you've now contributed part of those funds that you made from that into your pension and health and allow that job to be converted into a union job.
1: So, there's, again, just generally speaking, I mean, there's no rule of time in, in business. Um, there's no, I mean, if you meet the requirements to fulfill a SAG job, you can join.
2: If if you, yeah, if you can get, yeah. Um, I mean, there is, if you can work on that job, you know, if you're a non-union voice actor and you get an audition that says this is a union job, you can audition for it. If you book the job, they, they'll write you up, you know, you do a Taft-Hartley if you're not in the union and, you now have you now would essentially at that point become uh, union SAG eligible if you worked as a principal in that job. So there's no yeah there's no necessarily proof of skill years in business certain amount of money that you have to make to qualify to be considered a professional voice actor who meets the union regulation or um, union requirements to be in SAG after.
3: Is there a minimum amount of? union work that you need to do in a year to retain your union membership.
2: Not to retain your membership, no. But there is if you want to qualify for health insurance. Okay. Uh, it's approximately twenty seven thousand dollars a year or so it's changed this year. I have to look at the, the numbers and see. Um and that very that, that goes year by year. So you have to keep qualifying each year in order to keep your health insurance.
3: And that's quarterly?
2: uh it's it's calculated quarterly and then it runs on a yearly cycle so you have okay. to over, yeah, over a yearly cycle um if you're through quarters qualified then yes over the course of a year you would have to keep that
3: all right alicia did you have something
0: yes so um i was curious if you could explain in greater detail what a signatory is and what a paymaster is. I mean, you you said that they're the person who figures out all the math, basically, right, and where all the money should go?
2: Yeah, that would be a paymaster. A signatory is essentially signing on to um, enforce or to handle the SAG-AFTRA agreement and to ensure that the production itself meets those requirements, that if you're um, You know, if if you're recording in a studio that there are appropriate um, things in place for COVID compliance, that the voice actor gets paid on time, that the payment is going to be the correct uh, payment. Uh, If there are any residuals um, need to be paid down the line, they're the ones who calculate and handle that. A paymaster handles the actual financial transaction. So they'll be the ones that calculate the pension health contribution, calculate payroll taxes. Um, handle collecting money from the production and processing the money and sending that check out to uh, to the talent. So, for example, we're a signatory and we work with a paymaster who handles all of our all of our finances for us. So we are the ones who are signed. I'm personally signed to the SAG-AFTRA agreements, so that I am I'm the one who is responsible for making sure all of the contracts, um, all the parts of the contract, are met. And then we have a paymaster who ensures that all of the money comes and goes and gets contributed to the right places.
1: So what do we owe Tim Friedlander to be our paymaster? Like, surely there's a fee. Uh,
2: yeah, our signatory services, uh, we charge 10% of talent payroll. Other places charge seven, other charges charge 20, depending on on where you go. Um, we Essentially, what a signatory does in this play in, in is that we can handle all of the communication, all the contracts, everything that has to handle with, with dealing with SAG, with getting all of this, the paperwork in, getting production IDs, getting the job cleared so that you can actually work through SAG-AFTRA so that the producer doesn't have to do that.
3: Okay. That seems to be the big thing. The producer just doesn't want, (laughs) doesn't want to have to go through that extra sheet of paper.
2: (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff, you know, if you're a new producer, you know, trying to figure out where to go, who to talk to, which rep to to reach out to is difficult. You know, we've been doing this for since 2018, It's about four or five years. So we have, you know, we have relationships with our reps at, at SAG after so that we can call, we can call somebody, we can ask questions, we can get information, we can you know sometimes get a job cleared quicker than somebody who's just you know calling out of the blue to try and get access to, to something over there um sometimes it's, it's just difficult you know sag after still is just you know it's not an automated system it's still a very personal system where you call and you talk to somebody and you get information from them and they ask you questions and you submit forms and they give you approval so there's no automated way to clear these jobs to get approval to work so you have to still do, do this you know very personally one-on-one with it with a rep
3: I like that, though. It, it keeps yeah. it feeling close and like you're less of a number out floating around somewhere on your own.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've got, you know, a, we've, we have reps that we know, you know, we're on a first name basis with. We just call and say, hey, we've got a question and we can, you know, we've been working with them for years and they're they're just great people to work with.
3: So I just popped into the um, the comments and I see um Melena specifically is the oh, yeah. closest there yeah. who mentioned that she is now SAG eligible. Yeah. So what would be her, her best next step?
2: Um, you know, it's, it's, a lot of people kind of say like SAG eligible is the best, best place to be. Cause you can currently still work on, you know, union and non-union work at that time. Um, unfortunately, you know, if you do become, if you're SAG eligible and you've reached the point where you're required to join the union, you, if you take a union job, then you would be be required to join. Uh, but in the meantime, you're just in a position where you can theoretically work both union and non-union jobs. Um, but that next next union job will then put you over, um, require you to join.
1: Is that a, in, in and in in I mean this in a, mm-hmm. a kind way. So, Melena, this isn't a yeah. dig. Do yeah. you promote that you're SAG eligible? I mean, does that actually uh, hold any weight?
2: I've seen, I've seen, I see a lot of people up on their website that say SAG-E after them. And um, they say that they are SAG eligible. It's for sure. Um, some people you can promote that as 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 a positive, as an option. Um, you know, it's a, it's going to be a limited limited time option because at some point, you know, if you book a job, you have to join the union, and now you're no longer SAG eligible. You're a full SAG after member.
1: Are um, you finding that talent right now? Again, you you kind of. You have a lot of different arms in this business, which is fantastic. And that's why we're so happy to have you on because you really have a lot of knowledge and you're also a voice actor. So, you yes. know where we're at, too, and where we've been.
3: Yep.
1: So, are you finding that there, you know, a lot of production companies are pushing non-union work? I mean, are is it... Aside from, this sounds so silly to say, aside from the benefits of being in the union, but it seems like there's just a lot of non-union work right now. Do do you see that people are really pushing to try to join SAG still, or are they kind of actually holding back a little and maybe just trying to kind of make their way through the non-union world?
2: I mean, that's that's, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, there are, you know, it is very, very viable to have a six-figure income business in the non-union world. Um, you know, a lot of this, there's a lot of history in these decisions to, to join union or stay or stay non-union. Um, you know, this rise of non-union work came about kind of out of the, the, commercial strike of 2000. Before that, you wouldn't have found much non-union work, if any non-union work or any viable non-union work that was, that was respected. Um, I think the first non-union voiceover agency launched in, in Los Angeles in around 2001, 2002, that was actually a non-union, um, voiceover agency, um, you know, I think it's, you know, it's, it's economics, market economics, people are going to find that it's quicker, faster, not necessarily cheaper, um, to work, to hire non-union talent than it is to hire, to hire union talent. Um, but I don't necessarily know that I see some, some places you see it being pushed some places. It's just, you know, Hey, you know, we had, we didn't have, we couldn't get this through SAG and SAG after in time. So now we have to do this non-union. So let's go non-union. If we can get it through union next time we can. We are, I see companies back and forth that some are non-union, some are union for the same company. So, you know, that's really kind of hard to tell. Um, I think there is still a there is still a pride in, in joining SAG-AFTRA for those who who have tried to make that a goal in their career. There's still definitely pride in there, um, but I don't know. That's a that's a tough question. I mean, it, union non-union FICOR core is such a personal decision that's really contingent on your life and your career and where you. Where you are in your business, um, that sometimes it's not necessarily a choice that's just more beneficial to stay non-union or it becomes immediately beneficial to go SEG after um, right away or it becomes extremely beneficial to become FICOR.
1: So a really fantastic question in the comments Mm -hmm. in the chat section was – So I get, I, I, I'm SAG eligible and I get the SAG job and SAG holds out their hand and says, write us a check, please. And I go, Oh my gosh, (laughs) is there a payment plan? Do you take credit cards? Uh, There's some people wondering, like when you get hit with Mm -hmm. that, you know, bill, what, how does that work?
2: Um, yeah, um, I, when I paid mine, I, I paid mine over three months. They had a payment plan. They also work with, um, I think it's a SAG after credit union that you can set up payment plans with them. Um, but there are, there are options, you know, they're not trying to make anybody go broke by joining, but you do have to pay, you know? So, yeah.
3: And it was my understanding too, that a a lot of actors will go FICOR because they want the flexibility of being able to work for non-union jobs too.
2: Uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely one of the reasons why a lot of people do, um, you know, there is one of the things that I think, that is important for people to know is that these jobs are convertible and there are some that are non-jurisdictional. So, you know, if you really explore that before you decide to go FICOR, that may change your decision. But, you know, FICOR is an extremely viable, um, extremely viable um, career choice for a lot of people who are working in all aspects of voiceover um, for sure. So, um and actually I'm just going to add, I'm just going to answer JD's there. Um, because it's a good question. If you join FICOR, can you switch to SAG to regain the benefits? You actually don't have to be in the union to get the benefits. If you work under a union job, under a union contract, you get those benefits that are afforded to you under that union contract. So you could work one job. The first job you ever do could pay a hundred thousand dollars. You would get those union benefits. You would qualify for health insurance because you would meet the minimum. You probably would want to go into the union at that point. Um, if you are FICOR, you still get health care benefits the pension health that doesn't go away so being FICOR, you retain those benefits you just don't have the benefits to be able to when i say benefits the benefits to run for office or to vote or to get screeners or to go to the awards or to go to any events um offered by sag after but you still do still get um the pension and health benefits
1: excellent thank you so much so uh if you jump back in the chat so brett asked Does Union translate from voiceover to film acting? I mean, SAG is SAG. Is that accurate?
2: SAG is SAG after a SAG after. Once you're in, you're in. And whether you're, you know, a a singer or a background actor or a film actor or a voice actor or dubbing, any of those songs, voiceover, I mean, uh, you know, SAG after members are SAG after members, regardless of what art you work in.
1: Okay. And then we've got, let me see, one more. Jen asked. How does this process work in the promo world? I mean, you may have touched on this, I'm sorry if you did. Is oh, non-union yeah. promo convertible?
2: Uh, sometimes, possibly, maybe no, yes, you have to really check. That's <laughs> kind of the answer. answer for every job that's convertible. Um, some of the, you know, every every job, if it falls under under, the, under a contract and meets a certain rate, then it is potentially possible to be converted. You have to convert the entire project so where why co-ed industrial is usually easy to convert is because usually you're the only voice actor in the project it's not going to be used outside of a private platform or not publicly at least that makes it easy to convert the other things that are um uh to think about is that if you're if you are the other if there are multiple actors in the job uh, you have to convert all the actors. So a lot of times you, you will get you could potentially book a job that pays a million dollars. But if it was an if there was an on-camera component and the on-camera was non-union, you can't convert just the voiceover to be union. Um, and there's also a question about how to find the SAG rates. All the SAG rates are on sag After's website. They are there are pages and pages of rates um to sift through and some are contingent on where you work and how long it airs and what platform it's going to be on and what the budget is Um, and this is where a signatory comes in handy because you can call us you can call falcon you can call dg you can call production payroll services any of these other signatories and say hey i've got this job this is what it looks like what contract will it fall under and how much do i have to make in order to convert this job
3: I am so glad you guys are out there. (laughs) This (laughs) this is like spaghetti. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, NJ, we are at the halfway mark here.
1: You know what? Holy moly. Okay. Yeah, we've done it. Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) We're there. So we're at the half hour. Let's do a quick room reset. Uh, If you've just joined us, we are VO Booth Besties. Our goal is to help working voice actors get their most important questions answered by an industry pro who knows. And today we are joined by Tim Friedlander, and we're discussing all things union and non-union. So we have um, questions that were submitted through our website that we're going to share, and then I'm still popping back and forth in the chat. So feel free Mm -hmm. to keep asking questions there. And uh, let's get back to it. So JT, back to you. All right. So some of the questions that we got through email this week.
3: Um, Stephen Blair asked us, if you book a job in Europe or let's say you're outside of the United States, does global rule one apply?
2: Short answer, if you're a SAG-AFTRA member, yes, um, you should be working you, anywhere you work in the world. You should be working under a union contract. Um, but the reality of that in your particular state country where you happen to live, you would have to look at kind of on a case by case basis. Um, but short answer is yes.
3: Okay. Um, Susan asked SAG question. Once you qualify for SAG, do you need to requalify yearly to stay a member? I think we kind of touched on that. that? No, nope. um,
2: Once you're in, you're in. Um, okay. There's no, you don't continue every um, paying more. Yep.
3: And then she also continued with once you're in it, yes. you just stay and you just it's the annual dues every year.
2: Yep. And then there's two five core questions that follow that, that actually are are really good. Uh, And there's a couple of questions here in the chat too, that I, that I want to get to. So this five core is interesting. So five core, this one question, I'm not SAG. I do some on-screen background work as well as VO on screen. I see that SAG people are paid more and get better food for VO. I want my goal to be five Does it make a difference being five core with on-screen camera work. So the, um, FICOR is a very contentious choice for some people who are union members. They can sometimes look at it um, as scabs or anti-union. It's much more prevalent in the on-camera world than it is in the um, voiceover world. Um, It is, first of all, a a Supreme Court um, decision that is actually protected by the First Amendment. So you have the, the right to declare FICOR if you like. You do not have to tell anybody that you are FICOR. Um, if they ask, you are the only the only requirement is: Are you eligible to work for a SAG after job, or you're not eligible? Um, so that kind of is, is where it is. It tends to be more; it can be more contentious in the on camera world, um, but in voiceover, it is um, it is much more common for voice actors to um, to be FICOR. But I also couldn't tell you who is FICOR unless they've told me and I couldn't tell you even the people that we've converted jobs for if they were FICOR or not. All we know is that they're eligible to work union um, and that's it. Yeah. And yes. Yep. And as Karen says, you cannot list yourself as sag on any of the sites. So um, you do have to at that point, if they do ask you if there's a site that says, are you union, non-union or FICOR? You would at that point um, check the FICOR box, but you are eligible to work on union jobs
3: um in your experience have there been producers who just say and eh, really don't want to work with you if you're five core
2: um it, it's i have not personally seen that but i'm sure there are and i'm sure that there are in the on-camera world i'm sure that that's relevant i'm sure that's prevalent in the in the, in the you know the non-union world as well i mean in, in the, the voiceover world as well you know you can't deny somebody and this this came directly from this this did come from SAG. After is that you can't deny somebody an audition or a job strictly because they are FICOR. So you couldn't audition somebody and say, "Sorry, what we we are not going to give you this job because you are FICOR." Um, however, you could say, "We decided to go in a different direction," and right. possibility, you know, possibility. But specifically saying we will not audition FICOR members, we will not hire FICOR members, is actually um, according to SAG after reps, not something that you can do.
3: So that's very interesting because I I notice in in social media that mm-hmm. a lot of people will put their SAG-AFTRA you know in their in their header in their profile. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. So technically, I mean, obviously, no one's going to ask them if they're FICOR, core, but they're not supposed to do that if they're FICOR, core,
2: correct? FICOR, core, you can't. You're not. Yeah, you cannot say you're a you're a SAG-AFTRA I, member because you actually are not um, a SAG-AFTRA member. You are a These paying non-member is the official designation of um, of FICOR.
3: Interesting. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Um, Which ties into our question from Andrea. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Um, What are the consequences of going FICOR, which we touched on? And she said she would like to be able to do non-union work without jeopardizing her SAG status. So she's not really jeopardizing her SAG status. But she was advised to not consider FICOR.
2: You are essentially giving up your SAG after status. So you okay. you, you turn in your card. Um, you cannot say that you're a SAG after member, but you can say that you are eligible to work on union jobs. Um, you just cannot state that you say that you're a SAG after member. So in in a certain sense, you, you are jeopardizing. You are giving up that SAG status. Um, you know, I I think you know speaking to a union lawyer who is going to be supportive of SAG after and try. To avoid people going FICOR is going to tell most people probably not to consider going FICOR Um, because it's it's not you know it does in many senses for a lot of people it it weakens the stance that the union has Um, it takes people away from the union um, who could be supporting the union Um, but you know I think it's you know it's important for people to look at what their business is and FICOR may be the the right choice for your business now and it may be something that you have to do that's going to feed your family and pay your bills and get you through the work and get you to the point where you can go back into being a SAG after member, you can petition to get your SAG status back. Um, You do have to go before a board and petition and request that back. Um, But that is a possibility.
3: That was my next question. Can you go back? If you've gone FICOR,
2: you can, you can't go back and forth. That's not right. You you couldn't like jump in and do a job here and then go, go FICOR to do this job over here and then jump back in for a union job. Um, You know, once you go pretty much stay, that um, I've known only a, a couple people who have, um, you know, transitioned back from five core um, to SAG after in the VO community. I'm sure there's more in the in the on camera community um, who who have made that jump back in, but um, yeah, currently um, you can't jump back and forth.
3: Yep. All right, um, NJ, I know you've been monitoring the chat, and I'm guessing by the number of <laughs> of yes. chats I see.
1: Okay, so hold on, hold on, hold on. She said. Hold on. How do you convert a non-union job to union mm-hmm. if you're used to getting a loan out towards your corporation or LLC? I actually don't understand that. Maybe you do. Yeah.
2: yeah. So so when you're as a voice actor, you can either be cho- you can choose to be paid as an employee. So they will pay you. You'll you'll do a W-2, W-4 form and you'll get paid as employee you Have payroll taxes um, or you have a corporation or an LLC that you work under, which is called a loan out. And essentially what you do is your company loans you out to the producer um, to do that job. Um, however, when, when you convert a job, you just choose how, how you wish to get paid. If you wanted to run through your business, you can get paid as a business. If you prefer to run as an employee, you can get um, run through as an, as, as an employee.
1: Okay, great. Um, t- talk to us about right to work states and how that plays into this.
2: I, I saw that one. Um, this is a tough one. Um because there are, theoretically, if you're in a right-to-work state, or technically, I guess, if you're in a right-to-work state, um, you can work union and non-union jobs. However, some some people, uh, some that I have heard from are saying that it actually only refers to the employer who's hiring you within that state. Um, but the general consensus that people understand it to mean is that you can work union and non-union um, without joining the union in a right-to-work state.
1: Okay. Are there Canadian signatory service companies for voice? Do you know?
2: That's out, out of my jurisdiction. <laughs> you American. I'm from Seattle. It's as close as I get to the Canadian border. But yeah, I, I don't know. Um, you know, the, I honestly don't know. Yeah, um, there's, yeah, Actra is up there. Um, there are, there have been, um, you know, some changes in this last six months or so to the contracts that are happening in Canada where a lot of, a lot of work has gone non union um i don't know all of the i don't know all of the nuances of it but it definitely in the last six months i think june or july or so there was a one of the the signing parties back um stepped away from the contracts um but i would reach out to like um who's who's up there um voice works might know some of those you know somebody in that area would would probably know um know how that works
3: and I'm sure if you reach out to some of those agencies and just you know let them know in your email subject line that you're not looking for representation, you just have some questions,
2: yeah. they'll,
3: they'll go ahead and answer those questions for
2: you. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we do have a question about non-jurisdictional. I want to kind of just want to touch back on here um, that Casey was asking. So non-jurisdictional is any project or genre that does not have a collective bargaining agreement in place um for that contract and that job that you're working on that could vary so if there is no collective bargaining agreement in place it becomes a non it's a non-jurisdictional job um so that just means that the union just doesn't have jurisdiction over it they the argument is that every job can fit under a contract somewhere um so then then nothing is non-jurisdictional but there are certain things that do still run under non-jurisdictional promos um, on certain networks or certain certain cables, channels and things like that um, still fall under a non-jurisdictional category.
3: Oh, okay. So earlier we were talking about um, if you live in Portland and you're doing a job in L.A., even if you're doing it remotely, it falls under the L.A. jurisdiction.
2: Not if you're uh, doing it. Well, it depends on where you are. If you're physically in Portland doing the job, then the job was done in Portland. Okay. Regardless of where the other side is. If you go to, to Los Angeles and do the job in Los Angeles, now the job takes place in, in California.
3: Okay. And does that work for out of the country as well?
2: Uh, I mean like like if you like if I go to UK, like go to to, to the UK and I work in the UK. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean you, you, you would yeah, you would if you so you would pay you would be under then the the, the payroll taxes and tax laws of that jurisdiction where you did the work physically did the work
3: okay i just i wasn't sure if it um you know reached into other countries uh,
2: it, it does a lot of it has, to, it has to do with with kind of with with payroll as well um i think when you're in another country unless you've joined unless it's a sag after a local in that country where you are um you know you, you would you would pay that you would just be paying the dues of where you signed up in that case okay yeah
1: Okay, Casey said, "How do you look up whether something falls under the non-jurisdictional category?" That is
2: a great question. I do not know. We are currently working on that um, to try to figure out um, if we could put together a list of of non-jurisdictional genres um, that we can um, that we can list on the NAVA website as well as the Voiceover Resource Guide. We're working on that. Um, because it, it, it can change. There may not have been a collective bargaining agreement in place six months ago, but there could be now. So
1: Alicia, what do you got?
0: Well, I was just had somebody messaging messaging me a question <laughs> to ask. The curious we're curious to know um if someone is working a so if someone lives in a right to work state where would they even find union work to be able to then do union work if you don't yeah that's that's the question
2: (laughs) i mean union union work is is everywhere i mean there there are you know the the, you don't have to be in a state you can be in a right to work state and still have union 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 possibilities union work that's there because you could work for you know there could be companies that just that want to go union and, and prefer to do that or that are historically union jobs, Um, if you are in a right to work state, you can work union jobs, you can work, you know, a lot of times you'll find if you have regional agents, those regional agents will have union work, you know, California, or New York. Um, But yeah, I mean, primarily through an agent would be where it is, it's the union work goes still primarily goes through agents, you're not going to find that much um, on any, you're not going to find that really on a platform, some platforms may have it, but primarily the union work goes through an agent. And that work you can do regardless of what state you're in.
0: Gotcha. That makes that makes great sense. So really, there someone seeking union work in a right to work state, they would need to seek that through an agent.
2: And, and even, I mean, in, any, in pretty much any state, I mean, the union work still primarily goes through agents, and that's where that's where you'll find the union work. Good to know.
0: Yeah. Um, we did have another question that came in and said, "Do you know where iHeart, Pandora, and Spotify stand when it comes to jurisdictional versus non jurisdictional jurisdictional, I talk for a living, VO work?
2: Um, They're they're all slightly different. Um, There are, depending on what type of spot you're doing for them, some would fall under um, a union contract and some may may fall under a non-union or possibly non-jurisdictional. But whether you're doing a promo or a commercial or something different, um, there are digital contracts, there are um, low-budget contracts that could qualify for those. So um, you kind of have to look on it, look at it as what's the script, where is it going to run, and how long is it going to run? Um, and then those could kind of tell you because iHeart, I Pandora, and Spotify are all going to have completely different platforms, different usage, um, different reach. Um, and you know, we're in a streaming world that doesn't hasn't quite the contracts haven't quite cut up to the streaming world yet that that we that we exist in.
3: That's what I was just going to say. Um, I just heard the other day that um, the the usage and the reach now on mm. the streaming platforms has just surpassed traditional broadcast television network coverage and um, oh yeah the i would
2: reach and wouldn't doubt it at all yep, yep. which in
3: my opinion means we're going to start i hope seeing some rate shifts at yeah, that
2: point. And, and it's digital so it's easier to track you can track every single airplay you can track every single usage you can track every single thing about that spot that you did so you know i think i think you know the, the the this kind of shift to digital or streaming is is can be really beneficial um in our ability to track and know where our where our work's being used
3: and that's i, I know i'm getting off topic cuz it's it's not really it's a rate discussion now it's not yeah. it's <laughs> not a union versus non-union thing yeah. but yeah that's i think that's something that is going to have to be addressed um yeah. Based on, you know, if you're on YouTube, you see how many views that video had.
2: Correct. Yeah. Yeah.
3: You know? Yep. So, yeah, I think rates are going to soon, I hope, have to follow suit. Well,
2: I mean, it's 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 much more fragmented. You know, I think there's more you're not getting a bunch of people watching the same thing at the same time. And I think that kind of dilutes things slightly. But, you know, yeah, you still still do have a ton of eyeballs on things and you know exactly how many were on and for how long yeah. they were on what they watched, you know, you, you can you know it all
3: it's a little scary <laughs> <laughs> frankly.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs>
3: well let me well, ask
1: something post out for any more questions. Oh yeah. I'm sorry, A B.
0: That's all right. That's good. Um I'm hoping we get some more. I uh I would love I'm getting some comments um directly that it is a little overwhelming. Especially for beginning voice actors or somebody who maybe has never um, worked much outside of pay to play, if you could just pretend like you're explaining it to my twelve year old, just give us a basic yeah. understanding of what it means to be union and why someone might make that wish to make that leap.
2: Sure. Um, you know, I, this is where I'll put a little little plug in for Nava. This is one of the things that we're, I um, and Karen Guilfrey is here in the in the chat, who's our vice president. Um, One of the things that we put together was this pathways initiative that is because it is very hard if you are not in the union to get information about joining the union. Um, So in, in NAVA, we're trying to, um, to help people navigate this, this process. Um, So, you know, you have, so like the benefits of each of them, I mean, each of them, the three union, non-union and uh, FICOR have, have pluses and minuses to, you know, to all of those. If you, you know, you join the union, you have protection. Um, you have protection over your contracts. You're gonna have guarantee of getting paid. You have legal team that can go after those. You're going to, you know, make sure that you are physically safe if you're on on camera and you're on a set somewhere and you're in a dangerous situation, you have safety and security in that sense. Um, by working on a union job, you get contributions to pension and health, uh, which means that you'll have care, you have retirement funds, um, and um, you have, uh, you know, some way to track your work. If a job gets used um, down, you know, gets used six months after you agree to being used, you can have the union go after that for you and collect those dues. Um, you are then, um, you know, only able to do union work, um, so you can only audition for for union jobs. For global rule number one, um, you know, FICOR has the advantage of being able to work union and non-union, um, but you give up all of those safety and security and benefits that you would have. If you were in the union, if you work under a union contract, you still have that safety and security, but you don't get um, to be a part of the union. Say you're a part of the unions um, vote, be a part of the um, panels or to run for office or to be any kind of activity in there. Um, um, And then non-union is, um, you know, you have the ability to, to essentially control your career and what you pay for. Uh, I mean, sorry, what you charge for rates, but you have to negotiate those one by one. You have no recourse if you don't get paid, except to maybe hire a lawyer or a collection agency. You have no legal team to help you out, um, but you can decide the jobs that you can take. You can decide how much you work for. You can negotiate those in and of yourself, um, and you then have to pay your own pension health. You have to pay for your own health insurance. You have to pay for your own retirement. Uh, but there are you know, many, many ways to make six figures in all three of these categories, and what's hopefully important is which one of these is going to work best for you in your business in your career and your family at this given time none of these are permanent you can change and move from one to the other as your career grows and changes if you need to Um, that wasn't for a 12 year old but that's as close as i could get
0: it was a brilliant explanation though i mean really what it boils down to is that you have to identify what you need at this moment and seek that out. Really?
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I think that there is, you know, I think what, you know, what I would like to hopefully see is an understanding that some people have to stay non-union or go FICOR for where they are in their career. And if they want to, at some point go union, support them, or that somebody has chosen that going union at this moment is the best thing for me. And if my career changes down the line, and I can no longer work union, because that's not where the work is, there will be some ability to change your status and get work. Um, I think, you know, for me, I I think it's important people to be able to work, the more you can work, the better you're going to get, the more likely you'll have that opportunity to go union if that's what you want to do. But you also get better and better. And the better you are in your career, the, the better you are in your craft, the better you will be in your career.
3: All right, and I see in the chat we have a question from Geddes, um, yep. who actually he posted this on uh, LinkedIn earlier today too. Yep. Um, can you address his question a little bit what, there? What does it
2: take to earn to earn yourself to be in the union? That one there. Yeah, um, you know you you have to work under a union contract. Um, you have to, you have to get a, either a voucher. So if you're you know a lot of background actors can just work on a job that's no, there's no skill requirement. There's no artistic requirement. There's no proof that you are good at what you do. Um, by that same token, there's no, you know, proof, you know, once you get in the union, you're not going to get kicked out, get kicked out because you're not at a certain um, ability. Um, but you can definitely, you know, you just have to uh, become SEG eligible by either working under a union contract three times, or by getting uh, one principal role on a union job. Which one? Uh, as I said earlier, one audiobook union audiobook will qualify you to join the union.
3: Thanks. I know we have a couple people, you know, who jumped in a little bit later in the conversation yeah, yeah. and yep. missed some of those first things. Yeah. And Karen, of course, has come in with a brilliant question for you. What happens if you're union and you work off the card
2: um, nothing if you don't get caught <laughs> um, but if you do get caught um, you have to go before a committee you have to um, basically um, tell them why you did what you did and what happened and there's a possibility that you could get your um, your card um, revoked um, though I don't know I've, I in my entire you know, career I'm not it's not a, a illustrious a long decades long career but Um, I've known one person who got pulled up in front of that um, and had to go before the board and plead their case for why they should they should remain a union member in good standing.
3: So I guess that really kind of speaks to the the FICOR issue. Mm -hmm. You know, if you feel that you need to take a a non-scale job, then maybe FICOR is the answer at this point in your in your personal situation.
2: But if, if, if I might, might be the answer to, you know, to go, I, I think, you know, we don't talk about working off the card much because you know, there are other, other, I think better options, um, than that. But, um, you know, again, this is your, you know, this is your career, this is your life. Um, you know, and, and as long as you know, as long as you're educated to know the ramifications from all of these, I will leave it up to everybody to make the best decision for what's right for them. Um, what happens to your non-union client if it's discovered that one of their actors on a project is a union member? Um, They, they could theoretically get fined. um, But um, it would come back on the, um, on the voice actor itself, unless you know the answer to that question, (laughs) Karin yourself. Um, But it's, it's kind of up to, you know, the, the talent to kind of, to know that as well, but they could, they could potentially get fined in there. And actually it's a good question. I don't, I don't fully know what happens, Karen, unless you, unless you, if you have to know an answer the full answer to that one, that would be great. Um, flip a job or recast. Okay. Yeah. There, oh, there we go. Yeah. Um, they could convert the job or they may have to um, no longer work with, they, they could not, could no longer work with that voice actor. Yeah. Because they couldn't hire a non-union voice actor. Yes, you are yeah, correct. But
1: I just, I just think that speaks to the integrity of the voice mm-hmm. actor too. I mean, I just, I, I feel like, at least who i am acquainted with everyone's above board i mean they want to do it right nobody's trying to be sneaky or you
2: know no i mean i don't think anybody's trying to be sneaky i think i think there is a lot of misinformation about what your options are so people feel that they have to be sneaky when i think there are are possibilities options out there for voice actors specifically the on-camera world's a different a different world um in the way that it's kind of handled and how visible it is and and you know their their stance towards five core actors but there are many options to work many jobs if you know what they are and you know part part of becoming a union member is you're taking that leap to say that i'm willing to give up doing the non-union work um you know which, which is something you could say so it's important to say that yes, I'm giving up the non union work, except for the work that's non-jurisdictional and the work that I can convert to make it union. So some people who may, may do a lot of work that's that's convertible could join the union and convert a lot or all of that work that they're already doing.
3: And not have to go FICOR.
2: And not have to go FICOR and not have to work off the card. Or, yeah. you know, if you if you are working in a lot of lot of work that is not, you know, that's not convertible and is work that you that you have a massive business in, then you can go you know, you can go um go FICOR. Yeah, and somebody showed the FightCore page, which is which is hard to find on on the the, the SAG-AFTRA website. They don't have a link to it unless you really search for it. Um, you know, SAG-AFTRA, the information on there is gonna be you know, it's gonna be via bias, bias pro union um for them. So they're gonna, you know, be a little skewed. Hopefully we try and give the information as clearly as possible so that you can make the choice for you that's gonna best work for you. Um, based on that. I don't I don't I don't personally advocate for any of those paths, I think it's up to the pert for you to decide what works best for you. And if you're educated about it, then then you can plan something out to say, great, I'm going to do this here. When I reach this milestone, I'll change this over here. And when I do this, maybe I'll move over here and do this. So you have those options.
3: And going back to um, the the tail end of the off card question, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, if if you're not sure, that's what your local is
2: for. Yeah, that's what yeah, you're looking for. Reach local. out to them. Yeah, reach out to them. You know, you can ask the producer. You can ask, you know, ask your agent. You could ask, yeah, reach out to the local and you can find out. And they'll, they'll tell, you know, everything. They can tell you whether something's, um, you know, has a, has a signatory and is going to be a union job or not. Um, is that what you're asking? Like, are that what you're saying? Like, you could reach out to them for that information?
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, let me go back into the chat real quick. Um, <sighs> I think we kind of, we deviated from the question about um, part <laughs> and, and delved into um, you know, did you know, did you not know yeah, if it's questionable, yeah. if you think you're, you're not working on the rate card mm-hmm. to ask.
2: Yeah, you can ask. I mean, you know, there are, you know, there are resources, there are agents, there's there, are, all of the information is on the SAG after website, though it is, admittedly extremely hard to navigate and find because they're, you know, some of these contracts are, you know, 90 years old and hundreds of pages long and to try and figure out where voiceover fits into those is difficult. Um, but you can always call the voiceover department at SAG after it. You can get on the phone and call the voiceover department and, um, and ask them and they can help you and they will walk you through. That's what they, that's what they are there for is to help provide this information. So reach out to the voiceover department. Trestlin Williams is the the head of the voiceover department and there are multiple reps who work um, in that, in that area.
3: Okay. And as we come up to the top of the hour, um, if you have some last minute questions, please throw those in the chat real quick. And uh, if there's nothing new coming up, I'm going to turn it over to NJ. All Mm
1: -hmm. right. Thanks JT. Tim, this has been amazing. (laughs) I, we've made it an hour. We filled it. I mean, I know people are like, oh my gosh, so much information. But folks, we have replays on. So take a breath. <laughs> you can always go back and find the replay in Clubhouse. We'll also have it on our website, boothbesties.com, and we'll have the replay link there for you as well. Uh, thanks for joining us and taking the time to educate us on all aspects of union and non union work. But before yeah. you go, we our goal you're our first you're popping our cherry tim
2: <laughs> i'm honored i'm honored we,
1: oh it's so sweet we want to ask you three for fun questions uh, a little james lipton lipton style <laughs> so for our uh audience what singer band or composer are you enjoying right now
2: um man right now that's a tough one i'm just listening to a lot of things uh danger mouse um perfect circle uh silence i really like silence these days um it's nice to turn things off when i sit with headphones all day um but my you know my <laughs> so that that favorite, silence yes.
1: wasn't a band it's just literally silence
2: <laughs> silence as in no sound um, <laughs> yeah, um yeah but I, I i'm a big fan you know pearl jam is one of my all-time favorites and then um i'm a big fan of anton dvorak um composer who i just, nice. love. He just love his work
1: all right. Uh, any podcasts that have caught your ear lately?
2: I have never listened to a podcast in my life.
1: Stop.
2: <laughs> Stop.
1: Okay. Not
2: to listen. Yep. Yep. All I right. want to sit, sit in silence. I get on my motorcycle and ride in silence.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, now I just got to ask, what kind of bike do you have?
2: I've, I've got a Harley, a Softail.
1: Nice. All right. Lastly, what is your favorite
0: dessert?
2: Strawberry cheesecake.
0: Nice. All it. right. Thank you. All right. Over to you, AB. All right. I just want to give a huge thank you to everybody in the audience, especially, um, Karin for jumping in and helping answer questions in the chat as well. We really appreciate all of you. We are super excited to share that next week we're going to have get our guest speaker, B Scott McCarthy. He is the Woo-hoo. head of dubbing at dreamworks animation and a super nice guy. I've been told. So head over to boothbesties.com and submit your questions so that we can get them in in advance and, We'll do our best to include as many as we can in the interview. Um, Also, to keep the conversation going, connect with us on LinkedIn and follow VOBB on Facebook and Instagram. And back to you, JT. All
3: right, guys. We'll see you all next week. Thanks for being here. Replays will be available by link on socials and on the website.
0: Thanks so much, besties. All right. Good night. (laughs) Good night. Good night. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of VO Booth Besties. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Well, pretty much
3: anywhere they're playing podcasts. And follow us on Instagram and Facebook so we can keep the conversation going. VO Booth Besties. Yeah, it's a thing.